Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Nick coming to you from the Houston Outpost. Papa Tom is on the road. So I'm just going to check in here real quick with you guys and give you the vast amount of football information that is going on right now. And if by vast, I mean we've had a really good streak this entire offseason of a lot of action. But this truly does seem like the calm before the storm is actually setting in here. We had the Akershore Stadium news last week. That's pretty interesting. This week, I got a couple things that come to mind, but a lot of them are repetitive. I think it's still worth touching on stuff like Deshaun Watson and the evolution of where that suspension is going. Uh, a lot of it's inter-AFC North news, because another thing I thought of is Lamar Jackson going on this tweet spree and us getting to the port of, portion of the offseason that seems like uh, will be reoccurring every single year for the entirety of Lamar Jackson's career. Getting to the point in the offseason where people argue over how good or good he is. And then, besides that, I don't really think there's been much of an update necessarily in Deontay Johnson's contract situation, but I've had a few more conversations about it yeah, with league insiders and such. You know, big hitters like Pat and David. But... First things first, let's touch on the Deshaun thing. There was uh, some rumors this week, heavy rumors circulating that Deshaun Watson's suspension could actually be as few as four to six games on the heels of him, I guess, settling with like 20 of the 24 um, accusers. I'm not sure what the exact number is, but I know it's only a handful of accusers are left who have not settled yet. And I was talking to David, our friend, uh, friend of the show, David Nichols talking to him about this my initial reaction was i'm gonna guess that there's something to the rumor just based on how many places said four to six games but i'd be shocked if that were actually the case just given the fact that this is such a high profile case you know ben roethlisberger got six games that was eventually reduced to four. That's an important distinction that I'm going to bring back up in a second here. He got six games reduced to four, like what, like 12 years ago or something like that? 15 years? I don't, I don't know. Long time ago, over a decade ago, uh, pre-Me Too for one settled uh, case. I think it might have actually roped in the fact that he had the two, but either way, Ben got six games for that. It'd be shocking if Deshaun Watson with, you know, 24 to 30 allegations, especially in this day and age post-Me Too movement, post Ray Rice, post all of these NFL struggles with domestic violence and associated acts against women, blah, blah, blah. Um, not blah, blah, blah. You, just, you, you guys get what I'm saying. But I'd be shocked just for that reason if we're only six. But what I'm thinking about 
going back to Ben's suspension getting reduced from six games to four games, a lot of times what the NFL likes to do is basically allow an appeal. Give more games up front so the initial press conference, the press release reads as a harsher sentence, even even though they know in the back of their head that they're going to reduce the sentencing. So I think that what the NFL may be doing right now is leaking four to six games to eventually suspend Deshaun Watson for the whole season or maybe 10 games. Look at that. Even me. Even I'm falling into it now. Like, oh, okay, 10 games would be a lot. They're basically just trying to lower the bar so that if they suspend him for an entire season, the public won't be mad at a full season being too few games. So they're just setting the bar lower, in my opinion, to make a cleaner suspension so that the thing can be done with. Obviously, the reason why we're talking about that on the Steelers podcast here is because that has a great effect on the Pittsburgh Steelers' chances in the AFC this year and over the next few years, having three MVP-type quarterbacks on the other teams for your division, one guy who's actually won MVP in Lamar, and then a guy in Deshaun Watson who had a legitimate chance at winning it as a rookie before tearing his ACL. And then Joe Burrow, he's Joe Burrow, right? He'd been to a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Once again, to overuse a phrase. But that's something very interesting to keep an eye on. We'll be able to make more accurate prognostications about the Steelers season once we find out a little bit more about Deshaun Watson, even though that is only two games in the season. Then if you want to move to that other MVP quarterback in the AFC North, because there's not a ton of Steelers news besides the fact that they just had a charity softball game where Cam Hayward and Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky, I saw Alex Highsmith out there, and uh, some of the great, hilarious uh, Pittsburgh fans who are part of the, the new media, as it were, Tone Diggs from Pat McAfee's show and Jersey Jerry from Barstool. Uh, they had a bunch of guys participate in the softball game. I saw that Kenny Pickett hit a dinger. saw that... But so did Jerry. So, you know, it's a softball. What are you going to do? That's pretty cool. But that's all that was. I do think it's kind of cool that the in the modern social media age, as I go on a tangent here and forget to talk about Lamar Jackson, I do think that it's cool in the modern age. You get these guys like Tone Diggs, who's just the resident Pittsburgh Steelers fan, the, reg, the resident Pittsburgher on Pat McAfee's show, one of the most popular sports shows in the world. And he basically is the voice for the Steelers fans. He's been the voice for the Ben Roethlisberger fans, too. He's a a giant fan of him the way I am, and a lot of us are of this age group. He's around the same age as me, early 30s. And you have access to players a little bit more nowadays with social media, and it's kind of cool that they invite guys like them and Joey, what is it, Milanaro from Barstool. Well, he's not a Barstool anymore, I don't think, but the impersonator, really funny guy, big Pittsburgh fan. And so there's actually this community that builds around the team. And they actually get to meet the guys, the players, they actually be, get to become friends. And we're talking about sort of down earth celebrities Joey, Tone Diggs, Jersey Jerry. These are all just regular dudes who were so hilarious and interesting and had friends at, at Barstool and, and uh, McAfee where they were plucked out of this obscurity just because they are so funny and they have an ability, a natural ability to talk on a microphone. (laughs) That's probably giving Jersey Jerry a lot of credit, but 
they're plucked out of there and they are famous guys. So I think they mesh a lot better with the team rather than a super famous celebrity like a Tim McGraw or um, I'm blanking right now. Kenny Chesney, isn't he a big Steelers fan? Is he friends with Ben? Somebody like that is so out of the stratosphere that that, that that guy's more famous than the players themselves. Whereas these Steeler fan celebrities are actual true fans of the Steelers who are really close to all of us who are doing this podcast or listening to this podcast. So I did think that was kind of cool. And now as I get older, as we get past the Ben era, which is basically like 20 years of my life, I appreciate these other other elements about the Steelers that are sort of wholesome or interesting uh, and may not necessarily be tied to winning the Super Bowl every single year or whatever. So that's cool. That being said, back to Lamar. Some ESPN poll left him off their top 10 list, and I was listening to Bustin' with the Boys the other day, Taylor Lewan, the tackle for the Titans, and Will Compton, playoff Willie, middle linebacker for a few different teams. He's on the streets right now because he's crushing that podcast, but he was a starter for Washington for a while. He's got great new teeth, fake teeth, very solid. I've been wanting fake teeth since I was a small child, given my predilection for sugar in my youth, and... Therefore, a predilection for cavities. Will Compton, spectacular smile after having that scraggle tooth kind of going on. Now he's got the veneers. Uh, It makes it an attractive option. But they were talking about not really top 10 lists like the ESPN one that Lamar was left off of, but they talked about Madden and how Madden releases the rankings every year. And in a conversation with Eric Anardini, the CEO of Barstool, or one of the top two people with Dave Pornoy at Barstool, is... She's got a spectacular business mind, obviously. They were talking about how Madden releases the rankings, and it creates so much outrage in the players who end up tweeting about it, let alone the fans, that it creates this hilarious free publicity thing for Madden. Like, you know what they're doing. This is for publicity, especially since they are willing to update the rankings if the right player whines about it. Like, what changed? You ranked these guys based on what you saw, right? Well, not really. We know that it's going to get free publicity. So to me, when you look at Lamar Jackson getting left off of a top 10 list on ESPN, a lot of it goes back to that. It's going to generate a lot of free publicity. But also Lamar is a controversial quarterback because all the best quarterbacks we've seen are truly transcendent at throwing the football. And some people, like, and Lamar is not that. Now, he does have a good arm. He has a really strong arm. His arm's underrated that way. He is inaccurate at a lot of times. He really does have so many similarities to Michael Vick, where Michael Vick had a tremendous arm, but was inaccurate sometimes. Now, Michael Vick played in an era where it was too early for offensive coordinators to make creative offenses to structure around a running quarterback. You know, they just said, basically, yeah, just play this drop back game and, and scramble sometimes. And then, to me... Kyle Shanahan in Washington, RG3's rookie year, really created one of the first great systems to feature a running quarterback uh, along with, I don't even know who did this. I mean, I know they had North Turner in Carolina for a while, but Cam Newton, that system was another one. And then Colin Kaepernick with Greg Roman on those incredible San Francisco 49ers teams. And then obviously Greg Roman goes to Baltimore and designs the the offense for Lamar Jackson. Michael Vick didn't have that at the time, but but even if he had that offense, 
And even if Lamar Jackson had better receivers, there still are bouts of inaccuracy. And there still is goofiness in the throwing. Lamar's had this thing since college where you watch him and sometimes he keeps his feet so close together. It looks like he's standing just up straight with his feet together when he makes some throws. So he gets off platform and he gets off balance and it's just it's an inaccurate that way. And you will see him throw out some clunkers where the ball will just flutter out or just land at a receiver's feet that you would never see for the other top 10 quarterbacks on the list. Obviously not Mahomes and Allen and Rodgers and Brady and those guys, but you wouldn't see that from Dak Prescott either or Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. So I understand why some people underrate Lamar for that, but you can't just take away the running aspect that is a transcendent part of his game. And that's why I've always said with Cam Newton, with Lamar Jackson and these guys, I think that the teams have to get Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger out of their head. Like, you have a running quarterback. This is this doesn't make Lamar a worse quarterback. Or like, oh, it's a cheat code. Look, there's a lot of people who play quarterback who go to the NFL. They play quarterback in high school because they can run by everybody. But that doesn't work as you get older unless – you're a historic talent like a Lamar Jackson. So it doesn't make him any less of a quarterback. And I wonder if he struggles with that. Like, I got to be like Tom Brady. It's like, you're not Tom Brady. You will never be Tom Brady, but Tom Brady will never be you with the running. And so if you just embrace the running and if the team realizes, hey, this isn't Tom or Ben or Aaron where I'm going to have this guy for 15 to 20 years in his prime, I'm going to have a 10-year career from this guy and we're going to run him into the ground because that's what makes him good, I think that that will be the best situation for everybody involved. Like, you get 10 years with an awesome quarterback, take it. But the running is such a factor, that's like saying Barry Sanders wasn't that great because he wasn't a power running back in between the tackles. Like, he didn't need to be. He was so good at the other thing that it doesn't matter. That's like saying Randy Moss wasn't that great because he wasn't a good route runner. Who cares? He doesn't need to be. He's just so good at running by people and catching the ball over their head that he's literally above the other players. It's like seeing a great high school player where it's like, ah, he's just faster and stronger than everybody. And there are some super freaks at the NFL level who are that good, whereas all the other players in the NFL were that guy in high school. The Lamar Jacksons of the world are like somehow just still more talented than everybody in the NFL. So I definitely think He's obviously a top 10 quarterback. I don't think anybody disagreed with that MVP award that he got that year. He totally deserved it. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the things he can do. And their line got decimated last year, you know? And he didn't really play that much either. And the receivers suck. Mark Andrews is great. Hollywood Brown, I always call him a, a top 40 receiver in the NFL. Like if you start going down the list, where do you really want Hollywood Brown? He's like 5'5". Five, five. He constantly drops the ball. And yes, he makes big plays, but there's a lot of Hollywood Browns now. There's a lot of people who make plays. Like, is Hollywood Brown better than Chase Claypool? Like, I don't I don't think so. So, and Chase Claypool is the second receiver on the Steelers. And people don't even categorize the Steelers as having a top receiving core in the NFL. Now, that may change after this year, but either way, I thought that that was interesting. I think Lamar will probably have a bounce back year, and I uh, think the receiver thing definitely will be an issue for them. But once again, just embrace the running with the quarterback thing, and people are going to be wide open. That's a tried-and-true formula. If you can run, that's why teams want to be able to run. There's nothing a team can do about it. I mean, we saw what happened to the Steelers a few years ago, and, and I even go all the way back to the 
the Jag- that historic, terrible loss to the Jaguars in the 2017 playoffs, teams were just running all over the Steelers. And then you can't make a scheme adjustment for just getting your face beat in. <laughs> if they can run on you, and this is what the Steelers used to do to teams, and this is what the Steelers want to do now, I think they still need to make some improvements on the line before they can really do this. But you just keep running. Like, oh, we ran for 100 yards in the first half. We'll just keep pushing those guys over. And so if the Ravens can do that, they'll be just fine. But obviously the Steelers have done really well against Lamar Jackson. And so that should be encouraging for Steelers fans. It's definitely encouraging to me. I mean, he's a scary player, but it does seem, yeah, the Steelers have a really good handle over him. And like I've said on the podcast many times, the only people that are really scary for the Steelers are those veteran pocket-passing quarterbacks. I mean, not, and I do include, of course, like Mahomes and Allen, even though they're sort of scrambly guys, but they're just, you know, transcendent throwers. But it seems like uh, the Steelers do a good job with running quarterbacks. Anyways, the Deontay Johnson thing I mentioned at the top there, once again, he's just such a, a difficult receiver to, to gauge what you want to pay him, particularly because it just seems like Great receivers are coming into the NFL at such a quick rate. But I'll say this. Here's my my thought on Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is definitively a number one receiver. That's not up for argument. But he's also definitively not a top 10 type receiver in the NFL. And I think it's because of two things. And the drops aren't the top thing because the drops are a problem. And I'll address that in a sec in a second. But they're not as big of a problem as people make them. It's just his series of drops two years ago at the end of the season was so public and so bad and so hateable. That was the thing about the drops. Like you just saw this guy crumble and his body language and the type of passes he was dropping, especially in that Bengals game where he dropped like three in a row to start the game that were like two yards across the line of scrimmage. But also it was coinciding with a complete and utter collapse from Ben and the offensive line and the whole team. So I think it was just an emotional time for Steelers fans. So it's, it's tough to forget that. And then he had one of the better catch percentages in the entire league this past year, which is amazing given the fact that he gets targeted more than almost anyone else in the league. So that shows you, like, the dude catches the ball. But then at the end of the season, once again, he had some drops again. So I think that there's an untrustworthiness with him that is justified, even if people are overreacting to the drops thing. Like, Randy Moss dropped it a bit. Terrell Owens dropped it quite a bit. There's guys who drop the ball, and if they make big plays, it's actually not that big of a deal. You can overcome it. I mean, Martavis Bryant, uh, Mike Wallace, those guys drop the ball a lot. But that leads to the other point, which is if you make the big plays, you can get away with it, and Deontay just doesn't make quite enough big plays. And unfortunately, some of that's because Ben wouldn't throw the ball down the field and the line wouldn't give them time to run uh, to throw the ball down the field. And he does make beautiful touchdowns on on go routes, but they're usually like 30 or 40 yarders where he'll beat his man really nicely, which of course is his number one skill. And then he'll, he'll dive and lay out and catch the ball in the air as he's crossing the goal line. Right. He doesn't take a slant 50 yards to the house. He never really does that. He's had the one punt return touchdown. He might've had another one called back, but I think he had one against Arizona a few years ago. So he makes some nice plays in the open field, but he's not really like an explosive guy. So I think that that's what keeps him away from the Jamar chases and the Devonte Adams, who isn't explosive, but he's just so big and so coordinated. Um, why do I, I weirdly always want to call Justin Jefferson Peterson. I have no idea why it's not even an, an Adrian Peterson thing, but 
either way, I think that that's what keeps him from from being a super top receiver. But he is a number one receiver because he can consistently win one on one on the outside where you don't have to scheme things for him. Like Chase Claypool could be a top receiver in the league if you figure out a way to get him the ball on drags and stuff like that. I think some people may argue the Debo Samuel point, but I don't think Debo Samuel – I think that if you use him right, he's like the number one receiver in the league potentially. But if, but not everyone's going to use him right. Like I don't think you can just put him on the outside and be like, I don't know, run a sluggo, then run a slant, then run a post corner, then run a hook, and then run a different kind of hook, and then run a third kind of hook with a nuance based on how the defense shows it to you. Like, Deontay can do that, where you can trust him to just put him out there. And he he doesn't make explosive plays, but he does make big plays down the field where he catches the ball over people's heads or over their backs and stuff like that. So the last thing I'd want to say about it is, for all of the Steelers' success at drafting good receivers – A.B. and Deontay are really the only number one receivers they've drafted. Like Martavis, maybe it would have worked, um, but you don't know. He was sort of like a four catch for 150 yard and yards and two touchdowns guy, and then the next week he'd have one catch for 10 yards. Mike Wallace, same thing. I think he was a true number one, but I only think he was that with Ben or if he had been with a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or the, the guys at the time who really liked to throw the ball down the field. And we saw that play out in him being completely irrelevant for the rest of his career, right? So as far as guys who can go one-on-one and get open on the outside and make every type of play, it's really only been A.B. and Deontay. So they drafted George Pickens to be that guy. Obviously, he's a different type of player than than Deontay and A.B. He's not the short, quick guy, but he's a big athlete who can play on the outside, and he's more explosive maybe than some of these other dudes, more coordinated maybe than than Chase Claypool and some guys of that nature. But... You just don't know with him quite at this moment uh, with Pickens. Hopefully it turns out that way. But I think what will end up kind of happening is hopefully he has a great rookie season and, and Mike Tomlin and the team kind of prioritize getting him on the field early because they need to know how good this dude is. And then I would say a, like a Super Bowl contender would sign Deontay Johnson. I don't think that there's a Washington or, you know, whatever, use – Detroit. I don't think that there's a team like that that should be spending big money on the guy, but I think a team that's on the doorstep, like if it were a Buffalo or I'm not even saying them as an example, but whatever, some team that was on the doorstep, I mean Green Bay, Green Bay should sign Deontay, but they could use a a number one receiver or just like another big weapon to put them over the top, kind of like what we've seen with the Rams and the Buccaneers. I think that's the kind of person, that's the kind of team who will be like, we'll sign this dude to a three-year deal or we'll, you know, whatever it is. And who knows, maybe if the Steelers are very good this year or very good at the end of the year, maybe they just franchise Deontay and try and keep him for one more year after that. So we'll see where that goes. But either way, excited for training camp to start soon. Thank you for listening to the pod. Email us at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at SteelersOutpost. Have a beautiful day and go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... 
The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine.